0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host, Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian on a special time today. Uh, Very excited about today's guest. We're gonna be talking to one of 2022's top 10 CNN heroes. Hear her story about advocacy uh, for not just those in the autism community, but all folks in the special needs community. It's gonna be a fascinating conversation. This woman is fire. Cannot wait for you to have it here, this this episode of Just Two Death. Hey, everybody. This is Brian Altunian. and I'm here with Sean Francis, my co-host, my co-founder, my partner in Thrive, business partner. We've been doing this podcast now for a, a year, over a year and a half. We are on episode number 120, and we are really excited to be Uh, to be talking to today's guest. Before we get to her, it's fascinating, fascinating story. And by the way, she's gonna blow your socks off too, because this woman is a woman of action. Uh, Before we get to her, I just wanna thank everybody who's catching us on Facebook Live. Thank you uh, for being a part of our, our family and our community. Please feel free to enter comments. We can throw some up on the screen if you want. If you're catching us after the fact on our YouTube channel, Just Two Dads, please subscribe and send to your friends and like, the like the episodes that we've got and also send us notes. Our email is we are just two dads at gmail.com. We are just two dads. All one word. We are just two dads. Send us a uh, comments, anything that you'd like us to talk about for future episodes. Um we are open to uh to, this is a community effort here. So we're supporting our community. In addition, if you're catching us on podcast outlets, thank you for listening in. I get notes all the time. Hey I heard your podcast. I'm like, oh my God, that's so fantastic. So We've got broad reach, including our folks down in the U.S. Virgin Islands who are catching us live on WSTX AM radio as well. So thank you, everybody, for participating and, and being part of this, this conversation for those people who serve the special needs community and uh, are warriors and making, making a huge difference in our world. So without further ado, uh, I'm excited to get into the conversation with our, with our guest. Before we do, I'm going to throw it over to Sean who and give you a little background and, uh, and jump into the conversation. Sean, you're looking dapper today, my friend. That's a word, by the way. <laughs> dapper, I like
1: dapper. Well, thank you very much. I'm feeling dapper, and um, along with the um, yeah, the fact that I was able to open my eyes and see another day, another reason, part of the reason why I'm feeling dapper is because of our guest today, who I'm looking at. Um, now, we are all uh, advocates in some way, shape, or form. Those of us that are in the special needs community, there are those of us who are advocates by way of um, uh parenthood, because what would you not do other than advocate for your child? There are those who are advocates by choice because of profession. And then there is our guest today who I think is just at least to me in a little bit of a, a different category. You know, they always say that we we can't control what happens to us. What we can control is how we respond to it. One of the most freeing and liberating things that we can do that literally nobody can take from you is how you choose to go about your day, an attitude. And when you hear what this woman has faced and the amount of lemonade that she has made out of her lemons, um, you know, she is a CNN hero, uh, top 10 hero. She is uh, part of the uh, women community with, uh, uh, with Senator uh, Kimberly Lightford. She is a fellow with Erickson Institute. She's co-host on 1390 AM uh, Brunch Bunch. She's a state-appointed Autism Task Force member, state-appointed IDHS board member, state-appointed state, state Department of Education for Disabled Children member, Department of Defense peer re, uh, reviewer, and she's a leader uh, in her community and then some. And the only reason I'm, I am I'm left off some of the accolades is because I don't want to cut into the time and deny anybody else um, the presence of I got to get up Vines. earlier.
0: I got to get up earlier in the day. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't, I, I got to get to work. I, I got more to do. I, I, Make me look bad, Deborah. Make me.
1: Yes. Like Deborah Vines. Welcome.
2: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much um, for having me. I've, I've, re- I've read about you guys a couple of times and uh, I was really impressed with your work. So I'm super excited to be in conversation with you guys today. Thank, Thank you. you so we much. We are too, and, by the way. Yes. And what I, and that statement, you just, Made right there, but
1: you heard about us. Don't let that nugget miss you if you're out there trying to figure out what your purpose is and what it is you might want to do, or you're of the mind that I don't know if anybody wants to hear what I have to say. Brian and I started having conversations with each other as friends do, acknowledge that we're more vulnerable than most men, we're more vulnerable than dads who are parents to children with special needs. And we had the nerve to have a, you know, start a podcast. And you don't know who you're going to reach in touch. When I got in touch with Deborah and I introduced myself, her first response was, oh, I've heard of you guys. I know who you are. You never know who's listening. That's and right. so um, divinity in motion. So, you know, you probably, Deborah, to some extent, you acknowledge that you're a hero. Mm-hmm. CNN, you know, you know, acknowledges you as such. But I know there's part of you that feels like, I don't know about hero. I just do what I do and I am who I am. But all heroes First of all, you are one, though, and all heroes have superpowers, and the superpowers of a hero comes from that hero's origin, and your origin, your upbringing, everything that you've done, that reflects the way that you deal with the things that life gives you. So let's go backwards, right, from the CNN Hero Award, which is this past year, back to your roots, your family, your upbringing, and everything that uh, led you to how you responded to the date of diagnosis for your son and where we are today.
2: Oh, wow. How much time do we have? You know, not-, <laughs> not enough,
1: not enough. Never enough. Never
2: well, enough. you know what? I, I think I want to just go back to when, when I recognized that I was a leader and that was, um, I'm going to say maybe my freshman year, maybe eighth grade, freshman year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm the second oldest of five children. Uh, my oldest brother's deceased. So when you're the oldest and especially a girl and you have younger sisters, and, and my mom, uh, for the most part, she uh, was a stay-at-home mom until I was about 12 years old. So mm-hmm. after she went to work, I, I was given more duties like cooking and uh, taking making sure that my sister's hair was combed and things like that. And then those leadership skills at home kind of ventured off into school. I started joining things like the Glee Club. And, and next thing I know, everything I was joining, people wanted to make sure I was the president because mm. – I guess you call it bossy, a leader, or whatever you want to put it. But I I, I I, like being in charge. I do. But at the same time, with wanting to be in charge, I know how to step back and be led as well. So that that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned. To be an effective leader, you have to know how to be led. I've always loved being a part of something. I've always... And, and, and I'm so glad that you asked me that question because it gave me the opportunity to even think back on some things that I've done throughout my life that has created me to be the leader that I am today. Some of it was downfall, some of that I had to pull myself back up. Some of it was just some great, amazing things like winning contests, a modeling contests when I was younger, uh, uh, starting groups of girls that we just um, went out and, and just gave people things that were more, less unfortunate, less fortunate than us. Um, my mom made sure that we have volunteerism, within us because she would make us go to the uh, senior citizens homes during Christmas time with church. And of course I was very defiant. I didn't want to go, but I understand the concept of teaching your children volunteerism. And to this day I I'm always volunteering for something because it's ingrained in me. It's what I love to do. And I know it's mm-hmm. because my mom, she's just like, okay, you better go, you better go. And I, and I thank her for that. Um, it is actually um, rounded me to be the woman that I am today to be such a giver. So thank you mom for that. Yeah. Um, for sure. Also um just playing sports and and just being parts of teams i think helps round you to be mm-hmm. a better leader or a better um, you know follow. sometimes people take follower the wrong way but someone has to be behind the leader right to get mm-hmm. to, to the um to the good of what you're doing for, instance, for sure a background singer mm-hmm. Songs don't sound good most of the time unless you have that melody of background singers. But it's always mm-hmm. that one background singer that you can hear over everybody. Like we'll talk. Let's, let's talk about the Jennifer Hudsons of the world. Let's talk about the Shaka Khan who was a background singer. Let's talk about Jill Scott who was a background singer. Barry Manilow was a background singer, but he sure. was behind, and now he, you know, they lead in things. So sometimes being behind does not mean that you are not valuable, right? It right right. adding value
1: for so, sure like, yes. luther vandross was a background singer hey so
2: and look um sissy houston was was uh uh luther vandross background singer who was whitney houston's mom so there we right. go right great figure there
1: you go absolutely yeah. absolutely so that's eighth grade and high, and high school mm-hmm. so sticking on the chronological path tell us uh, you know where let's cover the, the, the timeframe in your life going from high school to becoming a mom.
2: Okay. Well, um, I was a mom at 16. My oldest son now is 48. I was a Mm -hmm. mom at 16 and and going back to my mom, she was one of these moms where I'm not going to be babysitting your kid. And I thank her for that. She said, I'm not going to give you time to get another one. So everywhere I went, my son went with me. I finished high school actually a year early. Um, because I did not want to be in school with having a kid, but I still stayed in school. I, I went I went to college. I didn't finish. I thought I wanted to be a nurse. I didn't. So I went to, cosmet- <laughs> <laughs> I went to cosmetology school and I finished cosmetology school and um, I ended up being a hairstylist for about 15 years, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, but I, all through that time, I was always a model as well. I started modeling when I was about 12 years old. And so my mm-hmm. modeling career actually um, was, was through that time span as well. And by the time I got in my twenties, I guess I was I was a hairstylist and things just kind of started. My my career was was really booming as a hairstylist and even as a model. And um I met my amazing uh, late husband. I think I was maybe about twenty-three, maybe twenty-two, and I mm-hmm. met him and, and we were just having a wonderful life with uh, my oldest son, who is um now again Mark, and um mm-hmm. uh, and we were having a great life, and then along came Jason. Well, let me let me back up just a little bit and do two things. One, give you more props for
1: what you just let out there that people might miss. You know, valuable information is often, you know, caught and not taught. So Mm -hmm. you listen, you stated you became a mom at 16. Right. And then right in part by your mom's guidance, making sure that she said she was going to keep you busy. But then also by your decision, you didn't just decide to finish high school. As a result of your decision, and more importantly, your action, you then finished high school
2: early. earlier. Earlier, right? You
1: finished early. it, finished yeah. it early, and then you began college. And then you followed your heart, and like that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be a nurse. I want to be, um, I, I want to be a cosmetologist. Mm-hmm. So there's something to be said for making a plan. A hairstylist. A hairstylist. 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 <laughs> there's something to be said for um, making a plan, mm-hmm. following through with it being able to pivot and course correct and follow your heart as well. So I'm hoping that everybody's taking notes and they, you know, and they catch that. So um, then you're you're married and you have your, your second son, uh, Jason, and then he's diagnosed at what age?
2: He was diagnosed at 18 months. I actually had Jason, I think when I was 29. And um, yeah, I was 29 and he was diagnosed at 18 months. And and right after Jason was diagnosed, um, I would say maybe, Maybe about a year after that. No, no, no. It was during the time. he was. We was going through behavior problems with him. And there's a lot of stuff. And I, I would say maybe when he was about 18 months, maybe close to two years is when my mental health started declining uh, as it relates to getting things for him, doing stuff for him. My life, as I once knew it, went away. Um, completely, completely. That's all The Deborah fashion model, the Deborah being able to jump up and leave and go where I wanted to go, Mm -hmm. do what I wanted to do. Because, mind you, again, our oldest son, he's a latchkey kid, straight A student, no problems, um, knew how to um, live in his own space. Didn't worry about him being being in trouble with anybody because he just didn't have that mindset. Right. But. Once I had Jason, my, my life did a, a total flip flop and I became and depressed, very depressed. That's and
1: I, I appreciate that because now we're getting into some nitty gritty and transparency, too, mm-hmm. because a lot of people feel that, OK, if you're a hero, what that means is, you know, um, I, life you is perfect. Yeah, life is perfect. I'm a, yeah. oh. perfect. Ooh, I'm a picture of up. valor and I don't right. I don't share or I'm afraid or anything like that. So, you know, what was so two things? So the first one is what were some of the. Delays or things that you saw that had you even suspect that something might be wrong, uh, because you know that's a little earlier. At least in you know in most cases, you hear around the age of three that the diagnosis takes place. Of course, that's years later. But you know uh, anybody that is dealing with a diagnosis, the further back in history you go, or the further back in time, the more of a hero you need to be, the more of a warrior because you have less resources and everything at your disposal. Absolutely. So, what were some of the what were some of the delays and things like that that you saw that even give suspicion?
2: Well, firstly, Jason was a 24 week baby. I had him at six months and Mm. the doctor said that he possibly would have some, um, developmental issues. So Mm -hmm. again, um, our oldest son was full-term, very healthy. So this was something very new to uh, my husband and I.
0: And and there's (laughs) about 13 years difference between the two thirteen years.
2: Matter of fact, let me just go back to that. When I yes. found that I was pregnant, we were actually sitting at our oldest son's um, high school graduation. And he was mm-hmm. salutatorian of his class. And so we were just so proud sitting there. And um, we were saying, in four more years, he's going to be gone to college. We're not going to have no kids. We're going to be glad to yeah. be parents. And <laughs> we were just excited. And I think about a couple of weeks later, uh, um, Mark and my husband were out playing basketball. And I just got really sick, my stomach was hurting so bad, and found out I was pregnant. I was mm. three, I was three months pregnant when I three to four months pregnant when I found out. And um, and then so leading to that, um again, so after after the birth of Jason, during the pregnancy, we knew that he would have some challenges. That's what the doctor said after he was born, early six months. They said that he would have some challenges. So, you know, we just started kind of watching for stuff, and then he just started growing, and it seemed like he was doing things on point to me. But at mm-hmm. one time I, I saw him, he was about maybe seven, eight months old, and he just wasn't giving me the eye contact that typically happens with children. He wasn't right. meeting all the benchmarks for me. According yeah. to the doctor, he was meeting the benchmarks, but not for me, mm-hmm. um, as a mom. And so mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, so we know. We know. And, we know. Then, yeah, and then he, he just started screaming all the time. It was no laughing, it was no eye contact, it was no cooing, it was no all the babbling and things that the kids do. It was no happy times. Everything was just screaming and hollering all the time. And just crying, 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 crying. And um, so we started to take him to the doctor to see what was going on. Because at this time, I don't think he was even walking. He mm-hmm. was running. He he went from crawling to mm-hmm. running. And he would never just be still. So. Right we took him to the doctor and, and he said, oh, they just kept giving us all these different things. Oh, you know, he was going to be developmental challenge. He was a preemie. He was a, just so many. And we we took him one one last, I think it was Rush Hospital. We took him there and they said autism. Now, mind you, one of my good friends of Vanessa, she, uh, she's a nurse and she was working in the ER. And she came to me one day and she said, Deborah I think Jason might have autism. And I was like, well, what is that? She said, hmm. Well, yeah, came into the, a, a young um, uh, family came into the emergency room the other day and they had a boy with him. And, and he looked just like Jason, just staring straight ahead, all the characteristics. And, and I was like, Oh my God. And we took him to the doctor the next day and the doctor said the word autism. Again, foreign word, only thing I knew about autism was Rain Man. And Rain Man was a fully functioning man that could have reciprocal conversation. He just did quirky things, right? Right, right, yeah. So, because what year was this for just for folks no, this this 88 89? It was 88, like the end of 88 going into the in yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
2: there was
0: not the diagnosis of autism for children at that time was pretty, pretty low relative to 000. today for sure,
2: right? One in a thousand. One in a thousand, wow. and, and when we talk no. about even the diagnosis in Black and Brown communities, it was even more than that. Because even less, yeah, our sure. families in in uh, commu- Black and Brown communities, we weren't getting our children to the doctor, so they could they didn't have the data. So yeah. this was a nationwide. Um, report, evidence-based report from the CAC. But when you look at the statistics, even now, they're broken down in black and brown communities. They're broken down in white communities. They're broken down in affluent communities and discerned communities. And then they come together with this number. But at that time, time, it was just nationwide. So we'll say nationwide autism um, diagnosis was one in a thousand. Now it's one in 48. So you figure 49 people in the room the 49th one has autism. Somebody's going to have it. It might, be, it might even be two or three. But uh, moving forward, um, we I, I just threw everything that I had in me um, to getting Jason better. I, I quit my job as a stylist because, firstly, I didn't have a choice because we didn't have mm-hmm. anyone to watch Jason. They didn't have all the great daycares that they have out now, that service families with disabilities. They didn't have all the ABA services. They didn't, ABA was just kind of coming on the rise in um, underserved communities, then, so if if we if they had it, we couldn't afford it, right? Um, so all the services that I did find was out of my financial reach.
1: Mm, a wow,
2: depression study, and I, I I felt like I was not being productive, mom. I felt like I was a, a, um, I guess you say a hamster on the wheel, just going round and round and round, and not getting any results outside of the ones that I was getting at home. With some mm-hmm. things, I was just teaching him, just as having, I guess, mother wit, and uh, I just kept going on and on, and again, just going down this slippery slope of depression. And yeah. I, yeah. I found myself uh, in a little, a little bit more depressed than I should be, and and my life just kind of spun out of control.
0: Isn't that interesting? I think that's one of the one of the factors of being a parent of a child with special needs is people don't realize how much mental health crises we go through and what we deal with in addition to caring for our child and, and our, how our world changes mm-hmm. um, not just caring making sure that their support and making sure that they have everything they need but everything that we need too that's all my opinion it's all become a very recent phenomenon that we're even addressing the needs of the parents and children with special the self care and
1: everything yes the, yeah, and yeah, sure. the that's one right. thing that go ahead deborah go ahead
2: no, that, that's why when we started, you know, and I know I'm jumping a little bit, but when we started, okay. that, answer, that was one of the first uh, components that I wanted to work on was making sure that the parent gets mm-hmm. out everything that's within, within, going on inside of them, right. all of their needs, not just needs for their children, but needs for them. Someone to talk to, create relationships, create community, mm-hmm. and that's what was missing for me.
1: Yeah. Well, it's two things that you can't. It's difficult for a person that can't swim to save a drowning individual. And that's the reason that analogy is the same reason why they tell you when you're on a plane, you know, you put your oxygen mask on first.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so the one thing I know that you and I have had honest conversation about leading up to today is one, your transparency. And we talked about the differences uh, from a cultural standpoint with the special needs component and when it comes to Um, You know, things of that nature. So we know that in our black and brown communities, especially with men, not as much with women, Mm -hmm. that the idea of therapy is not something that's necessarily embraced. So at that point in time, where were you with regard to receiving any kind of therapy or any kind of help or anything like that? Uh, And I don't know what the services are like in Illinois, uh, but were you able to get anything? But were you, or were you left to kind of just figure it out on your own as best as you possibly could in terms of the depression?
2: Um, I was left actually to figure it out the best I could because I didn't even know I was depressed. Let's just say mm, that is so you, you everything, yeah, you, You're just an, you're just
1: answering questions, but what you're doing in the manner in which you answer questions are just dropping nuggets. And again, like I said, I hope people that are catching them because it can't be taught, it has to be caught. Mm-hmm. Do you hear what she said, for those of you that are listening, I'm asking her about dealing with the depression, and the first response
2: you're giving me is that you didn't even know that you were, pre- I you, that you
1: were I depressed. depressed. I didn't even know you were
2: depressed. I thought that. I well, I, let me let me just say this. I, I everything that I was doing was from an insanity standpoint of view, as far as I'm concerned. Because when you keep doing stuff that, and you get bad results over all and over, that, you know, I, yeah. I I was really acting a little insane. So I, I think that the I'm not gonna say I think I know I know that the depression tilted off into insanity because whenever a person uses drugs, you must be insane because it's all over the news that you cannot all over books and and evidence-based stuff and everything, is all that you can't use drugs and expect to have a a successful life, let's just say that. Right. You can't say that I'm going to use drugs recreationally because it doesn't work, especially when you start talking about cocaine and heroin. Mm -hmm. There are drugs, um, um, even pills, even opioids in in any sense of the the matter. Um, And I'm not going to go into detail what the drug was because that doesn't matter, but I did become addicted because I started using recreationally to just give me some balance and it give me some joy and to give me some, what I thought, escape. That that part, escape. Um, escape. let, Let me go back to the conversation initially that I did my whole life as I knew it went away. The, the glamour, the, 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 the job, the finances, everything went away because of Jason. And not yeah. to say that he destroyed my life because he didn't. He opened my eyes to a whole nother way of life that I didn't right. know how to deal with at the time.
1: You couldn't receive the gift that he was at that point in time because you I weren't prepared for not. that. Yeah, I
2: could not receive the gift, and but once yeah. I got clean and received the gift, that look at what happened.
0: It all opened up. Can I ask you how how did your husband deal with this?
2: My my husband. On? My husband is is an angel in heaven right now, but he was an angel on earth because when I didn't when I never believed in myself, he never let me go. Mm. He never left me. He knew I was on drugs. Every time that I went to jail and came home, he was right there waiting for me. Mm. Um just an amazing person. I'm not going to say funny, he was an amazing person. And to to know that he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself because he would tell me all the time, "Deborah, you're so smart." You're so brilliant. Look at what you've done with Jason And Irene. Of course, I'm like, I'm not doing nothing. Not. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking right now,
1: and it's funny. You at least shared with us before in our conversation. You know, to prep for the show, we you know that you, you know, became a, you know a widow, all these kind of things. But it never hit me. Nah. It never ahead. hit me. It just. It never hit me before. You know like it is right now which is that i really really wish i got to know him
2: oh he was amazing he was and you know um when i when i when i started the answer um i came home one day i was working for ceasefire it's a violence prevention program and i came home familiar with ceasefire yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i came home from work one day and i said i said hun i said i don't want to work for nobody else anymore i don't i want to help families that going through the same thing we were going through. And I said, primarily women, because, I mean, he lived what we went through with the drug addiction, right. the incarceration. Now, he, he went through it. So I said, let's work on starting a support group so families they can talk about things they're going through at home and we can guide them through the resources so that they can get the help so that they won't so they won't go down that slippery slope that I went down. So they won't even just even feel like that they don't belong or that they are not enough or they're not doing enough for their kid because we go through a merit of emotions. And um, not everybody ha-
1: has a support system like you had with him. So let me don't. let me let me ask you this. At this point, I'm assuming that when you have this epiphany, it's like I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to create and I want to serve. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm assuming you're probably clean. If you tell us how you got from, because there are people today, oh, okay. even outside of special needs, that are still battling their demons. I have, you
2: know, to, I, you know I have to give acknowledgement to, firstly the um, the DuPage County Jail System, when um, when I um, the last time I got arrested, which was June 24th, 2005. Um, I was I was in my cell and, and I remember having this conversation with God. I said I am tired. Uh, the first thing that I think about in the morning is is drugs and before I go to bed at night is drugs. I said whatever you have for me, just take that taste out of my mouth. I said you have always taken care of Jason. You've taken care of James. So take care of me to be a better person. And I prayed, pray, prayed and you know they call it um uh, jailhouse uh jail jailhouse religion that's what my husband used to call it jailhouse religion and that's another conversation but i woke up the next day um in the cell um the the, uh, i guess it was called public defender came to Mm -hmm. to my cell and said um you're going to get a blessing if you want to take it and i said what is it they said well it's a program called drug court and they will send you to a rehab center and um you will be dropped and you know you'll be monitored and you it'll still be considered jail for you because it's not like you can just walk out the center and come back in but let me tell you something when du- dupage county i love dupage county because they they gave me the nugget to save my life i was mandated to the women's treatment center which i still have relationships with some of the my counselors that were there and they are now closed so but the women's Treat- dupage county um um got me to the Women's Treatment Center, and I treated treatment, because I'd never been to treatment the entire time I used drugs, never been to treatment, never tried to quit, never. But, had it been presented to you? Of course. Prior. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. no no other entity, I mean, uh, I would say um, no state entity or, or jail or anything had presented treatment to me. Of course, my husband like, why don't you go to treatment? Well, I don't need to go to treatment. I'm good. You know, I can do you it. Know, but I never, I didn't want to quit. I didn't. That's why I said I was insane. I was insane. anybody else is out there doing it, you're insane too. So get some help. But anyway, um, I, I was mandated to the Women's Treatment Center. And I stayed there almost a year and a half. And I learned so much about myself as to why I was doing the things I was doing, even just going back to your thought processes of a child. And you don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I want to be a drug addict. It does not happen nope. like that. You right. do things recreationally and then you keep doing things that feel good and then you do things to mask. It's a mm-hmm. process. So mm-hmm. um, nobody's walking around saying, I'm happy I'm a drug addict, nobody. Um, And if they are, they are extra insane because they- Absolutely. But long story short, Um, The the Women's Treatment Center gave me a lifeline. They gave me education about me. And the best way to learn about something that you're doing that's irrational for your life is to learn about yourself first. And so Mm -hmm. I took those tools and I still use those tools to this day. And I don't say I'm in recovery. I'm in deliverance. You know, a lot of people, they, they say, oh, I'm a recovering addict. I'm recovering. No, 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 no. I'm not recovering. Because when you're recovering, you got a Band-Aid on And that Band-Aid can get pulled off. And it's an open sore. I'm not saying what I would never do again, because I never say never. But one thing is for sure and to us for certain, I know where I am in my heart today. I know how to use the tools to um, to, to deviate my mind from even wanting certain things, not to say, you know, all of our minds going in, in deviant places where they shouldn't go. But I tell you, a, um, a thought doesn't take a, but a second. It takes a second. But to carry out that thought is repercussions behind the thought. And I realized that today. And, and the blessings that God has bestowed me with right now, uh, since the time that I said, yes, God, I want to change my life. And I call it my rebirth. and That's why I call it my deliverance, because that, that day, June twenty fourth, two thousand and five, was my deliverance.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow! And, and
2: you this, know, we this, have a uh, we have a mentor
0: that uh, that that said to us not that long ago. You know, oftentimes when you're in that situation, and then you you have the opportunity to help other people. Sometimes the thing that stops us from helping other people is okay. Well, who's going to listen to me? And you know, where why do I my my qualifications? You know, aren't going to give me a position of leadership in this particular case. With you, it's different, obviously, because you were born of leadership. But you know, he said to us, you know, the the things that we think disqualify us actually qualify us more to help people who were in that same situation. Yeah. So the fact that I've, you've been through it and had transitioned into a place where, um, you know, I was not only did you, I was thinking of yeah. that.
1: I was thinking of that because the other thing that he also did is he also to share with us is you know, and he's growing up. His father had a drinking problem for the last yeah. I don't know maybe 30 years of his life. Those things were behind him, and when it, when he got help, he asked him, "Are you not gonna, never gonna drink again?" He goes, "Well, I'm not gonna tell you I never will, but I'll tell you that I won't today." And you, then that word in yours in your deliverance just now, you said twice today. So that means, that, and I think you're conscious of it, but you might not even be, and it might be a natural thing, which is that you said never, but you're so focused on here's what I'm doing today. And, and 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 again, everything we do here is about bettering those that are, are within the sound of our voice and able to see us. And so if you think that you need to have a drug problem to relate to it, if you think that you need to be um, a member of the special needs community, which you will be if you live long enough anyway, just by old age. Well, um, all, all of us have a special need. You know, you have one too. You We, are sure do. we all have That's a special right. need. We all sure. do. And if, and if you don't, you will be. But the bottom line is, Everything we're going through here and we're talking about is universal because anything you're trying to accomplish, first of all, everybody's got what I what I call holes within them, right? Oh, yeah. Things in which they're deficient. For sure. and, we, and, and they tend to fill those things with things that may not be good for them. It could be drink. It could be sex. It could be gambling. Mm-hmm. It could be somebody that just doesn't support you, whatever the case might be. And for other people, it's extreme. But the bottom line is we do things that don't serve us or the people that we know each day. So everybody, anybody, no matter what you're facing, you know, you can go ahead and get out of that if you end up making a decision. And if you want to get way down the road where you've got 50 years in the future that you've lived this purposeful existence, that starts one day at a time. The smallest journey starts with one single step. So the fact that you've done that and taken that approach That's that's everything.
2: God gets all the glory. He gets all the glory and the praise. All the glory and praise. You know, even even as as I move forward, the reason why I I guess I would say because it's not that I ever kept a secret, but the reason why I'm so transparent about it because all of my life actually ended up being an open book. Last year I ran for trustee of Maywood, and Mm -hmm. you know when you run for any type of political seat. Anything that's no, all in the business, it's going to be dug up. And and before I did that, I called my my oldest son. I said, "Listen, you know, things are going to come out about me. It's probably some of them are true, and then some uh, added on ten, hmm. right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> probably be stretched a little bit. But you know, it, and some of it was kind of hurtful. I'm gonna tell you, I had some some crying nights that I went to sleep. But it's like, oh my God, why are people so mean? But then. You know, the Holy Spirit said, well, twisted. You can tell your story better than anybody. And then I got the opportunity to do the TED Talk. And I was so- just
1: going to say that what you're doing there, the lesson that you're given, which I hope, again, people are catching and not missing, is that you write your story better than anybody else. If you're hearing this conversation, make sure that you walk away with that. Don't let other people write your write your story. You're the author of your life. Yeah, so, so,
2: so when I when uh, when I when tell I tell us did about that, that TED yes. did the TED talk, and as yeah. I was writing the TED talk, I said, you know what? I can't leave this out without adding this. I can't leave this out without, and as I said, forget it, let's just go for it. But you know, <laughs> the pretense of the TED talk was not necessarily about drug usage or being an addict or anything. It was saying, it was, the whole pretense was special needs parents have needs too. That was the mm-hmm. title. And mm-hmm. there are so many parents that have children with disabilities. You know, I'm gonna take out the word special needs. Let's say child, Let's say families that have children with disabilities, adult with disabilities, that if you're a caregiver of, of any type of disability, there are gonna be times where you feel like, I cannot do this anymore. There's gonna be times mm-hmm. where, okay, let me take that extra glass of wine. You find yourself waking up in the morning, you know what, you get the kids off school, you're drinking a glass of wine. You are eating too much. You're shopping too much. You're gossiping too much. You're fornicating too much. You know all these things that that hit the endorphins of your brain that make you feel good. You look up and you're doing things too much to to get away from that overwhelmness of having that caregiving moment, right? Mm-hmm. So I just encourage anyone that's in the sound of my voice that has a child living with a disability or adult with disability. My son is thirty five um make sure that you have something that you do just for you even if it's 15 minutes a day make sure that you have this self-help and self-care time Mm -hmm. Go nails done get your hair done those are things that are kind of givens now self-help stuff but know how to regulate your mind because the mind is going to get you to a place to where it's a happiness i i give myself i do affirmations every morning every single morning um, I do, and, and when I found myself getting away from, is when I saw my, my my mind kind of declining a little bit and going in places where I shouldn't go. So I make sure I feed my mind every day with affirmations and the Word of God. I'm grounded with God. I'm, I belong to an amazing church, Jordan Temple Church, and I make sure I surround myself with people that are of love, that mm-hmm. are of love, love giving and serving. And, and, and I have three things that I that I um, I guess you would call them the the disclaimers for my life now. If mm-hmm. I can't serve you, if you can't serve me or we can't serve mm. together in some type of capacity, we can be friends, but it's not in my circle of my heart because right. I, there's limitations. I, it's limitations now to my heart. Yeah. Limitations yeah. You, you can make sure your, your heart can go and your mind can go in a whole nother place. <clears throat> and it's going to put you back in the place where you was once, once, before mm-hmm. that you don't want to be. And, and, yeah. and I just adapt that policy and everything that I do.
1: Well, look, we're only here for a minute on this planet. Oh it's a blink. So it is it is in your best interest to make sure that the the show or the movie theater that is your life, everybody ain't in the VIP. Yes. Not everybody's in the front row. And that doesn't mean you love anybody less because, you know, whatever t- we're never going to be as young as we were when this or any other conversation began. Right. So we need to be very mindful of the time that we spend. So now tell us this, though, because... You're so effortless in kind of, you know, what you do and your communication and everything. So it's very easy for people watching to be like, well, she just, she went through her trials and tribulations. She just jumped up one day and did a TED talk. Oh, no. How did?" No, and we know that's not the case. Tell us how that comes about. Because somebody's listening going, I might like to do a TED talk. There's somebody listening who thinks that they shouldn't because their story isn't worth telling. Oh, and we know God. they're wrong. Oh, no. How does that
2: come about? No, don't. You know what I? And, and I, I definitely respect the TED Talk platform because it, it it empowered me to even go further with the transparency of my story. And and things happen. God is just so amazing because things happen in divine order. And when I, the buzz from the TED talks kind of started dwindling a little bit, then up comes the CNN Hero. And so when they heard right. my story, when okay, so firstly you have to be nominated. And when I was nominated, I still don't know what my girl, Lori, Lori Cobbins, or um, Dr. Lori Cobbins or Suzanne LeMeon put in their letters, but they put something in there that had something to do with the, my transparency of being in um, uh, in deliverance of, of drugs. They put mm-hmm. that in there and, and just some of the, a lot of the amazing things that I was doing within the community. However, um, my advice to anyone that wants to do a TED Talk or be transparent about your life, nobody is comfortable everybody's not comfortable. Um I guess being really transparent, they're not. And that's right. okay. That's okay because it is it's definitely not for the swift. You have mm-hmm. you can't you cannot have thin skin because right. you to be judged on your truth. Um, I'm judged every single day, not just on my truth, but with things that I do within um, The Answer Incorporated based upon my past. You know, sometimes people mm-hmm. don't trust you because you do have an a, a ex-offender past or, or being a drug addict past. But at the same time, you know, I, I work to make sure that the families that we serve have what they need. And I know it's going to always be some bumps and bruises mm-hmm. when you're doing the work mm-hmm. of the Lord. I definitely mm-hmm. never compare myself to God or Jesus, but at the same time, when you're doing servitory work and especially when it comes from your heart and soul, you're gonna be judged and you're gonna be ridiculed. So I just say, keep going. You know,
1: it's, right. it's interesting because-
2: It's amazing. I told
1: you, you know um, Brian and I met in financial services working there and you know, started an initiative to bring financial service and education to the special needs community. By the time I met Brian, I had spent years Thank thinking to myself, man, if somebody questions my integrity or my intention, especially a special needs parent, I just don't know if I could take that. And then I, 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 it hit me one day and I thought, look, there's people that disagree from a religious or spiritual standpoint as to what Jesus's role was. Some people think he's a prophet. If you're a Muslim, that's what you think. Some people think, you know, some people are not Christians. Some people are agnostics Some people are atheists, whatever the case is. But everybody, regardless of their faith, agrees that his intentions were the best. And despite his intentions, he was questioned to the point of death. So if I'm not Jesus and I dare to do anything remotely worthwhile, who am I to think that I'm not going to be questioned? So the only way only way you're not going to be questioned or challenged is if you spend time in your couch rooting for somebody else. And I'm not even judging you if that's what you do, that's but right. just know that path A gets you this, path B gets you that. And so um that's something else. So tell us about the the answer that uh like because i mean what you guys are doing is uh i mean
0: well, well tell I mean, us what you're doing so people understand and people should go well, to site the, site the, the answer,
2: the answer to incorporated the answer incorporated and, and so i go back to the conversation that i held my husband when i said i want to quit my job well i didn't, I didn't yeah. quit. they ran out of funding so the the program did not um come back in so i was like I don't want to go work for anybody else. I want to do this not-for-profit. And I didn't know anything about not-for-profit. All I knew is I want to help people. And so mm-hmm. I, I talked to a couple of my friends that were in the not-for-profit world, and, and we came up with a name, and we came up with a mission statement, which is that we provide support, resources, education, recreation, advocacy, social skills, and workforce development not just for families living with autism, but developmental and intellectual disabilities. Because once we got started, we found that a lot of families were reaching out to us with children they had Down syndrome, ADD, mm-hmm. cerebral palsy. Because Jason has cerebral palsy on one side of his body too, so I'm not going to say that we don't necessarily service the physical disabilities because we don't. That's a that's a whole nother wheelhouse. So I mm-hmm. leave that to the people like Easter Seals and all of them. They have their sure. Our niche is Autism Developmental and Intellectual. And so uh, we started with just a support group and we had this big open house and we found that police officers, the police departments were excited about us starting, the legislators were excited about us starting, the community was excited about us starting our agency, not to minimize any agencies that were, were, were within the Proviso Township, but we were the first grassroots organization that services families specifically with support groups, with um, with uh, tutoring programs, with exercise and dance programs, within the Mm -hmm. Proviso Township. I'm not gonna say the Chicagoland area, within the Proviso Township, we were the first. So I'm really, I'm just happy and I'm grateful about that because we service so many families with amazing outcomes. And we have a program that meets each and every Saturday at the Beverly Center in the great village of Broadview We service um, about 45 to 50 individuals from the age of six to 40. Each and every Saturday, we have a Spectrum University program, which is a tutoring exercise program. I'm I'm sorry, tutoring, social skills and workforce development program. Then we have Music and Me, which is an exercise, dance, cooking and nutrition program. Mm. Mm -hmm. Then we have Spectrum Socialite which is a um, etiquette and sex education program specifically for girls and young women, because our girls girls are targeted every single day and not just girls Mm -hmm. with disabilities, girls across the board. So we want to make sure that our girls know good touch, bad touch, inappropriate behavior that someone might be that they might be doing. Or mm-hmm. what might be doing towards them, but we're getting ready to open our program up for boys as well. We want to start with the girls because that's where my heart was first, but I see yeah. a lot of our boys need this training as well. So our next fiscal year, we'll be bringing our boys on as well. And um, I want to. We have I, one, I, I, go ahead. One, we have one more. One more program is called Spectrum Social, and so what? A lot hmm. of our children, they don't, and young adults and teens, they don't have friends. So right. we're gonna be we bring them together maybe just 10 or 12 of them and teach them how to interact sociably. We have a professional that teaches them about, you know, having relationships and things like that, because a lot of our kids, they want friends so bad that they end up with with the wrong group. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is this something you did there? I want to touch on like, okay. If anybody's seen our our past episodes, I, I'm a student as much as I am a co-host. So I will catch what people say and I will regurgitate it to make sure that things aren't getting by people. I've never done that as much as I'm doing it here today. So that means that you're just sprinkling value left and okay. right. So awesome. the first thing is, if there's something that you dare to do in life, doesn't matter what it is, don't kid yourself into believing that your story doesn't have to be heard, but that or that there isn't an audience for it. And don't kid yourself into believing that you need to be ready. Because yes. Deborah just explained to you, she was not ready. The other thing she did verbatim, forward and backward is, she knew her mission statement. And that was one of the longest ones I've ever heard, but <laughs> you know it. So you need to decide what you're going to do. So what is it that I want to do? What do I stand for? What do we stand for? What is that mission and why? Statement? And why? Yeah, and exactly why. The and why then for those that are listening, part, right? yeah, right. Matter of fact, that, that, of all the lines that took place in Wakanda Forever, what I got from that because I don't even remember what is it what it was in response to, but at least twice in the film, there's a statement that's made or a question that's asked. And the response is, well, how is not half as important as why, is it? Yeah. And that just... That carries over to everything. The other thing, for just for our listeners that are listening in the Los Angeles area, you mentioned the Beverly Center. You know, that's she's referring to Illinois. Just so there's no confusion. There. No, no, no. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. I I I love learning
2: that. You know, I I, I, want, I also I want to I'll give an acknowledgement to to the um, to our supporters that that we have currently right now, there's just so many. I mean, let's just start with, with Broadview, Illinois. You know, the mayor of Broadview is uh, Mayor Katrina Thompson. She is such a champion for us. Um, our, our leader, state lead, Senator Lyford, um, state representative LaShawn Ford, uh, um, I guess who, was his name? Chris Welch, uh, Rep, state representative Chris Welch, speaker of the house, state representative Chris Welch. And so many mayors, Mayor Booker, Mayor Harvey, all the mayors in Proviso Township, Tamborino, Chapico, um, um, they give us so much support. And we're not gonna even forget the schools as well. We are in the schools. We have a bullying program as well called Bullying is Not the Answer. And it started with teaching the children about bullying against persons with disabilities. But then we found mm-hmm. that we want to teach them about conflict resolution, about being a good person, about bullying at the workplace. I mean, it's just so many different components as it relates to bullying that we do each. And so we have that program in four different locations now and mm-hmm. um, I guess it's rocking and rolling. That is Love fantastic. It. That's Love fantastic. It. And and are you, are you doing
0: fundraising constantly? constantly. I mean, that's a challenge with nonprofits. Constantly
2: yeah. fundraising. If there's anyone out there, in podcast land or Mm -hmm. Facebook lab land that would like to donate to our amazing organization to help us uh, continue our mission each every day, you can go to our website at theanswerinc.org. We actually have some great things coming up. Where we're going to be doing some deep dive fundraising for uh, our annual uh, walkathon, which is going to be May. I think it's the first Saturday of May. And I'm going to say, I think that's either May the 6th or May the 4th. Um, and we raise money to sponsor children and adults to a uh, horseback riding count for an entire week. And this would be our, I believe 13th year. So in 13, wow. year, 13 years, we sponsor so many children. And adults because a lot, a lot of our kids don't even get the opportunity to leave their home outside of going to their day programs or school An mm-hmm. overnight entire week. And then for the parents that aren't comfortable with, um, Sending their kids away for an entire week, we, we will pay for their kids to go to a in cities um, camp. So, beautiful. we have a lot of stuff coming up. We Have a vet pre Valentine's Day sneak a ball coming up that we always fundraise for. We have parent meetings, we have so many things that, but just go to our website, and you can just see everything. And The
0: website's beautiful, by the way. I mean, you, you do such a
2: great job. All of your programs are up there.
0: There's Thank beautiful you. pictures and videos, and so people can go and and, um, and, and finding, And I encourage everybody one last, to do one
2: that last thing. Um, not one last thing, but I, you know, I, th- I thought this just hit me as I'm looking at you guys, you know, my husband started this amazing uh, just for men group because he would go to meetings with me all the time. And he would say, where did dad's at? Where did that?" So he, he started this group <laughs> called just for men. And it started with just a support group, but the fathers and the, and not just simply fathers, but they were fa- men, family members that, that had, um, They had family members with disabilities. And so they would come together. They would go to sports bars together and just had this great camaraderie with them. So we are working on getting that stronger. So if it's any fathers or men out there that have children with disabilities that would love to be a part of our group, you can call us at 708-296-5651. Or you can shoot me an email directly at dvines at dvines. The org. <laughs> there you go. At the answer.org folks. For sure. And I think that that's a great
0: that's uh, a great idea. Um, we have talked about putting a men's group together uh, for quite some time. so if I can put that up on the on the site here, there you go. There you go. Divines at the answer.org. Um, so something that we definitely really- you forgot the INC. Oh my gosh, see that people. Uh, well, here's your phone number, 708-296-5651. <laughs> Hopefully we got that one right. Uh, we're doing it on the fly. We're doing it on the fly. That's okay. Uh, so
2: ever- that.
0: <laughs> this has been an, a, a, a fabulous conversation. I can't believe our hour is almost up as it, it always flies by, and we, we're just yeah. amazed by that. So at this point in the show, um, Sean usually asks a question of our guests. Uh, you may know that it's coming. There it is. Thank you so much, Sean Hall. Well, Sean Hall is, is our producer in Hawaii, so he, he'll correct me on occasion. So he just corrected that for us. So <laughs> dvines at the answerinc.org. Yes. Um, so I'm going to throw it to Shonda, Sean Francis to ask ask her a question of you, Deborah. Hopefully you'll, I know okay. this answer is going to be phenomenal for folks.
1: I will do that. And it, this is a total inside joke, but it wasn't Sean Hall that actually put that correction up there. It was me. Oh, was it you? All right. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks, Sean Hall anyways. Thank you, Sean Francis. It was a complete inside joke there. But anyway. At this point in the show, as Brian mentioned, you know, we asked the following question with the qualification, which is that, you know, our ability to change the world is tied to, in some way, great or small, our ability or our willingness to change ourselves. With that said, give us just one example of a thought or belief that you once believed very strongly, but no longer believed to be true.
2: Hmm. Oh, that's a lot. (laughs) you know, not to not to tilt her into the negative lane, but I would really, when people say I love you, I want them to really mean it. When people say I want to help you, really mean that you want to help. I would love to to see people be more intentional about Mm -hmm. what they say. I would love to see more people serving because Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to be a big serve. It could be a small serve and every single day and what we do that's what i like to say love
0: that
1: that's, that's fantastic that's fantastic
0: yeah i think uh you know we 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 talk about it all the time sean usually quotes it you know the service to others the mm-hmm. great muhammad ali right service to others is yeah. the rent we pay for our place here on earth
2: you know um, what i say all the time i um, one of my quotes is leave with love and love will follow
0: beautiful Well,
2: and here's the great thing about it is that usually when I sign
0: off, uh, you know, my half of the sign off of our of our episodes, I do talk about that as we get here. So this is a perfect time for us to do that. You know what? Empathy and love is always, you know, is always the key to, you know, to to our next level of evolution here. So when you see somebody who has a situation that you may not understand. Ask questions but rather than being judgmental, right? Be empathetic. You never know what the person's going through. Not only is it, it may, may, you may see a child that's going through a having a meltdown or something and your instinct is to, is to criticize the, the parent. You never know what the parent is dealing with at that point. So be empathetic, have some empathy, understand that people are going through something that you may have no idea about. And if you look at the world through the lenses of love, the world is a better place. So always I love, love and empathy. I love that. Yeah, thank you. And with that, Sean, I'm gonna send it over to you to, um, to, to sign us off. And Deborah, thank you so much. This was such a fantastic conversation. So so appreciative of this hour. I've made, made it a huge impact and direct impact on me in this past hour, hopefully it did for other people as well. So Sean,
1: I'll throw thank it to you. Thank you for having me. Most definitely, and, and I'm looking forward to us hopefully being able to do some work uh, in the future and add value to
2: thank countless
1: you. lives, countless yeah, lives. I'm, I'm coming um, to
2: California, um, hopefully in yeah. June. Okay. All oh, right. Great. Let us,
1: know. I, have a big Let us announcement.
2: know. I have a big announcement, but I can't, I can't do it yet, but. You can't
1: do it yet. Okay. It good. okay.
2: The state of California. So good. Beautiful.
1: Big announcements are great. As always. I want to thank the women in my life without whom I would not be. That is my amazing uh, mom, Jan and my wife, Laura. Oh. Um, You just, and then remember again, you know, We have special needs, but we've got needs, period. Everybody needs to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to know that they matter. And as much as some of us might fear death or departure, what we really fear more than anything else is what we've done with that time. So we really have more of a fear of not living a fulfilled life. Um, You know, we get what we give. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, Make sure that you do so in the future and, you know, share, like, subscribe. And uh, wherever you are, as long as you're hearing this, you're watching us, you're listening, we love you. We love
2: you. We will love Thank you, Deborah.